everybody. Welcome to your weekly sermon from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am so glad that you have tuned into this. I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. Uh, today we are going to be, well, first of all, in our thoughts today are all those that are dealing with the Hurricane Ida uh, that's hitting uh, Louisiana right now. We pray for protection and peace and uh, over the people that this is affecting in Jesus' name. We pray for, yeah, the protection over any injuries or loss of life in Jesus' name. We also pray for all those and all the situation going on in Afghanistan for the safe return home of all of our U.S. citizens as well as the healing and restoration of our soldiers that have been wounded, and for prayer, for comfort and peace for the families who have lost uh, loved ones, fallen soldiers over there. It's terrible, and uh, but what we can do is we can pray about it and, uh, and know that God is on the throne and believe in Jesus' name that things will be restored and rectified in the lives of those who have lost so much. Amen. So we're going to add uh, on to our series. I had stopped with uh, in the healing series uh, with message number four, but I have decided to add a number five. And I'm going to use a Bible account uh, in regards to healing. And we're going to read about this story, this true factual story that took place in the New Testament. And we're just going to look at some points and we're just going to see this incredible uh scene that unfolded uh, in the book of Acts. And so I'm going to call this a lame beggar healed, a lame beggar healed. And we have had lots of reports of people that have watched the healing series that have never um, thought of asking God for healing. And again, I make it very clear. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, everybody in a sense you know, I'm believing by faith that if you, when you ask for healing, God will heal you. But sometimes in this life, people don't. Um, and, I, you know, I'm not God. My brain only works at the capacity that it works, but God knows all things. But I, I'm trying to instill in everyone a faith to at least believe for the fact that they can go to God in faith and boldly ask him for healing in their bodies. And again, I've seen this take place in my own life. I've seen this take place literally bona fide sicknesses that were that were definitely healed, doctor-documented healings of family members and uh, others that we have prayed for and believed for. We just go there in faith and believe in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name that God will heal them. And so that's what I want to get down in you through all five of these messages is the fact and the reality that there is a healing God who is able and, a, and able and willing, I believe, to heal you as well. And we're going to learn a lot about that in Jesus' name as we do this story. So again, the title is A Lame Beggar Healed, and we're, this is part five in our healing series, and we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter three, and we're going to read verses one through 10, and then we're going to add on to that verse 16. So Acts chapter three, verses one through 10, and verse 16 of that same chapter, all right? So we got a lot of verses to read here, but let's get to that. This is how it goes. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour being three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order for him to beg for charitable gifts from those entering the temple grounds. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began asking to receive um, a charitable gift 
Verse 4, but Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. Verse 5, and he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk, or some versions say rise up and walk. Verse 7, and grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up and immediately, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened and leaping up. He stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as being the very one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for charitable gifts. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what, at what had happened to him. Verse 11, while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the portico named Solomon's completely astonished. Now into verse 16, it says, and on the basis of faith in his name, that's the name of Jesus, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him, Jesus, has given him this perfect health, perfect health in the presence of you all. So let this story let this true factual story build your faith today. So let's look at all these verses and break this down a bit. So verse one, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. So we, we recall that Peter and John had both been commissioned as apostles of Jesus. In other words, special ambassadors to whom by the Holy Spirit they were given orders. Peter and John together. And we see this first, we're going to, we're, we're about ready to see this very uh, specific post-Pentecostal miracle that opened the door for Peter's proclamation of the gospel, and it opened the door for the beginning of the church's persecution. We see that in, in, in Acts chapter 4. So this account, when this miracle took place, um, it opened the door for now the proclamation of the gospel. So we see in the New Testament many times that healings led to open doors to now preach the gospel. And in the, this particular case, it led to the church's persecution. So you would think, you know, that maybe people all around would just stay happy, but there's always those who don't like what God does. And so they began to be persecuted. That phrase, going up, means to go up, to ascend from a lower to a higher place. In other words, they were walking up these terraces to the temple courts until they came to the highest point, and that's why it's called the Temple Mount. Again, the ninth hour of prayer was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Verse 2, And a man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order for him to beg for charitable gifts from those entering the temple grounds. Now, the word carried in the Greek, which is the original language this was written in, is in what we call the imperfect tense. And that describes this being carried as a repeated action over and over, presumably day after day. The, this fact would, would mean that the Jews who were going to the temple to pray or sacrifice would be quite familiar with this man and his crippled condition. This prepared this act of God's providence and a witness to a miracle of healing. So this was almost a whole, this is like a setup. He was carried up there day after day, repeatedly, repeatedly carried up to this place 
And so people that came there each day saw him and knew him to be this crippled man from birth. Now, Luke doesn't tell us how long he was lame here, but he does in Acts 4.22, and he notes that the man was forty year, more than 40 years old, and so this man had been crippled since the day he was born. The phrase, from his mother's womb, uh, suggests this was a congenital defect, possibly an injury uh, sustained in the birthing process, but whatever it was, he, from, his mother womb, from his mother's womb, he was lame. He had a congenital defect. He was over 40 years old, and people saw him on a daily basis in this state. The phrase, was being carried along, sets us up for the miracle as he did not just have a limp, but he was totally lame and completely unable to move around on his own. He didn't just, this was some guy that just wasn't limping down to the gate. He had to be carried, totally lame, completely unable to move himself around on his own. And it says, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple. So the oriental custom was for beggars to sit at the entrance of the temple or the shrine, reasoning that as people were coming in and out and they're now in this attitude of worship, that they would be more likely to give a handout. And that's the mindset here. So verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began asking to receive a charitable gift, but he didn't even know really what he was asking for. This nameless lame beggar sought physical support, but spirit-filled Peter offered him spiritual support and actually a rescue not only from his physical, but his spiritual malady. And I want to throw a little comment in here, and I wrote this down too often. You know, I fear that we are all like this lame beggar. We seek a few crumbs from the master's table when what he desires to do is actually seat us at the table. And that's why you need to hear this about healing. Some people, some people don't think they're worthy enough to go to God for healing. If you're a born-again believer, you're in the family of God. You're God's child you have every right to go before him now and ask him to heal your body. Don't just, through your Christian life, just seek a few crumbs from the table. Know that Jesus literally desires for you to sit at his table. Amen? So expect more because God, God wants to do more for you. So we need to remember that although we are spiritual paupers, we are coming to a king. When we come to God and ask for things for our life or situations or needs to take place, we are coming to the king with a right to go there. We were saved, justified, redeemed, sanctified, and now we're put in righteousness before God the Father. We now have a relationship with God through Christ the Son. We now have right to come to God the Father and lay out our requests before him. And I guarantee you, God will see those requests and he will make things happen for you. Verse 4, but Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, and this is in with an exclamation point in my version, which is the NASB, look at us. So first of all, just one look, that's all it took to change, change this lame man's eternal destiny from eternal punishment to eternal bliss. And keep in mind that Peter and John, and this is what I thought about as 
uh, someone who's been involved in big time ministry. You know, I used to be on the power team when it was at its uh, highest point and we were filling 20,000 seat arenas and I've been in front of gigantic crowds uh, uh, doing ministry before, but this is what, and this is why that's what made me think about this. Keep in mind that Peter and John have just been involved in preaching God's word and literally seeing God save thousands of people at one time. They had been involved in big ministry with big time results and they could have easily got into a mindset, hey man, I just we've just been involved in this big thing. I don't have time to stop for this one guy. But they uh, could have easily walked by him without batting an eye. After all, what does one beggar compare to thousands who had just been saved? And I, I again, my past, my life in ministry brought this to me. Um, but this teaches us something about the early church and should teach us something about us, that one is just import, as important as the thousands. Reaching the one, and I tell people this all the time, they think because they see all these people on television who stand in front of all these people and so-called everybody, all these thousands of people get saved and they think that that's what evangelism is. Evangelism is reaching one person at a time. So every one of you is called to be an evangelist. Go out and reach somebody for Christ. And if you don't know how or what's involved in that, then get into my salvation series and you're going to read all about what it is to be saved. And it's going to give you an opportunity and ability to now share your faith in Christ. So these apostles took the time to minister to one hurting sinner. So we must never forget this. We got to take the time. When God opens the door and we see a need, we've got to jump in there and take the time. Reaching one is just as significant as reaching the thousands. There will be no bigger reward for the one who reached thousands, if that's what he was called to do, than the one who reaches one, if that's what you were called to do. You're all fulfilling what God has called you to do on this earth. Some get caught up in numbers, but Peter and John do not and neither should you. If you're a young minister out there watching this, don't get caught up in numbers. Not everything that's big is of God. Always remember that. And they said, and look at us. Look, in other words, look at Peter and John. And Peter, like a military officer, he issues this command. And this is in, again, the Greek language. It's in what we call the aorist imperative. And it calls for an immediate response. In other words, he's saying, do this now. Don't delay. Look at us right now. Look at us at this very moment. And so there was seriousness to this. Look at us right now. Don't delay. Do it now. Verse 5, and then, and he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He's thinking he's going to get some kind of a physical handout, expecting to receive something from them. Uh, that Greek verb means literally to look forward towards, to anticipate, and in this context, to expect. He was expecting something to come back, and I guarantee you he was expecting it to come back in some type of monetary thing, but he was looking for gold and silver, and they knew it. Uh, but instead of that, he obtained healing and eternal life. I mean, that's what's so great about this. So Peter said in verse six, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, rise up and walk. In other words, I do not have silver and gold. So Peter was, in, in the sense of worldly goods, he was poor in, in the aspect of worldly goods, but he was rich in heavenly goods. Uh, as are all believers, people get this twisted around too much. Actually, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, 
so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Whew. And all these verses I'm using, I'm going to put on the description in the YouTube channel there so you can look them up afterwards. But what he's, but then it goes on to say, but what I do have, I give to you. So what did Peter have to give? And I want you to really, really listen to this. What did Peter have to give? Clearly, he is referring to his spiritual authority that who gave it to him? That Jesus gave to him as well as the other apostles. But he's saying, what I have to give to you, he's referring to his spiritual authority that Jesus gave to him. Luke records this in Luke 9, verses 1 through 2. Luke 9, verses 1 through 2. He records that Jesus called the 12 together, this is important, and he gave them power and authority. In other words, the right and the might over all demons and to heal diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. We're not talking about someone being designated as a special faith healer. I believe from what I glean from this and I see that God, Jesus gives us the authority. When he's giving them the authority, he's giving us this authority as his children. Talks about that in the book of Mark. We, he's given us the authority to go out and, you know, and stomple, stomp, stomple, stomp on serpents and scorpions and to lay hands on the sick and see them recover and to cast demons out. He's given us the authority to operate that way while we're living on this earth as men and women of God. We have the right and the might. Uh, we've been given authority from Christ and we need to stand in that authority. Amen. Stand in that authority. So it's not some special guy who's been made into a special faith healer. We all have been given that right and that might and that authority to speak to these things in Jesus' name and to speak to sickness, speak to healing and ask for God and go to God and believe that God's going to heal our bodies and pray over the sick and believe that they are going to be healed in Jesus' name. And then he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the word uh, Christ means a Messiah or anointed one. So the command, get this, was not in Peter's authority, but in the authority of Jesus. And that's the key. It was in the authority of Jesus Christ. It's not about the man. It's about the authority of Christ that the man or woman is operating in. So it says, in the name, that means Everything that Jesus is now and forever and in context speaks especially to his authority and his power to be demonstrated for his glory. This is all in his name, in his power for his glory. So they immediately acknowledge that it's not by their own power that this is happening. It's happening, they're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Peter knew there was power in the name of Jesus he knew there was power in the name of Jesus. So when you come to God in prayer asking things, ask in Jesus' name. When you pray over someone who is sick, pray in Jesus' name for them to be healed. When you pray over storms in your life, pray about them and over them in the name of Jesus to be calmed. Use the name of Jesus because that is where the power lies. Amen. Psalms 106.8 links God's name and his power by saying this, Psalms 106, verse 8. Psalms 106, verse 8. Nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name that he might make his power known. Wow, it's all about the name 
of Jesus Christ and the power and the authority that lays in that name. He goes on to say, rise up and walk. Both of these commands in the Greek are in what's called the present imperative. Again, it means be rising, be walking, expressing enduring action, meaning this lame man will not just walk a few steps, but will have the power to walk now and always. Rise up and walk. You're going to walk this way for the rest of your life. Let me interject this little illustration to you. I call it God's best. The crippled man asked for money, but Peter gave him something much better, the use of his legs. We, we often ask God to solve a small problem, but he wants to give us a whole new life and help for all of our problems. When we ask God for help, he may say, I've got something even better for you. Ask God for what you want. But don't be surprised when he gives you what you really need. Amen. I hope you're getting something out of this today. Verses 7 and 8 says, And grasping him, they grabbed him, man, and pulled him up. Grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. I want to read a quote by Charles Spurgeon on the word immediately. He said, the man had never stood upon his feet in all his life and was so unable to move that he had to be carried to the temple gates to beg. And yet, at the mention of the great and glorious name of Jesus, his feet and ankle bones immediately received strength. They were strengthened. That Greek word means to make firm to make stable, strong, or solid. It means to become physically taut, especially describing the muscles and limbs, and so to be physically strong and vigorous. That's what happened to his life. He didn't get up and, you know, have you ever seen a baby horse that just begins to get up in the, you know, and be, tries to begin to walk and how they're, they're kind of shaking and they're uneven. That's not what this was. This guy got healed. He got up and his legs were firm. His legs were, were taut. Um, his muscles and his limbs were made to be physically strong and vigorous the way he was intended to be when he was born. Probably even better, he was over 40. He probably got, he's got, he's got brand new stuff, amen? So what an awesome illustration here and story about the healing power of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> when he does something, he does it all the way, amen? Verse eight says, walking and leaping and praising God. So imagine the reaction of all the Orthodox Jews who had come from afternoon prayer. He has healed physically and spiritually, and if not completely clear on the gospel, he was clinging to Peter, who was about to give a clear proclamation um, in his second sermon in Acts chapter 3, 12 through 26. So the, so the guy gets healed, and you know, right after that, immediately after that, Peter starts preaching the gospel. So now he hears the gospel. Uh, that's awesome, thanks. He was healed spiritually. He was healed physically. So in addition to preparing the stage for Peter's second sermon, he, the, the miraculous healing also prepared the stage for the beginning, like I said earlier, of the persecution of the church. So this was not just a miracle of physical healing. It's also a picture of spiritual healing that God brings to a spiritually lame world. Amen? And it teaches us that God's miraculous gift of salvation, hear this, should cause us to praise him with exuberant joy so that others will marvel at his mighty power. So the way this man reacted in his physical healing, oh my goodness, so much more should us 
who have come to Christ, who were once translated out of darkness into light. We were lost. We were enemies of God. We needed to be reconciled. We were, God's enmity was against us. His wrath was against us. Now we're gloriously saved and brought from the darkness into the light. Oh my goodness. If that guy was jumping and praising, you know, and leaping because of what just happened to him, how much more should we who have been spiritually healed and saved and made whole spiritually and made right to stand before God the Father? Don't live a mundane Christian life. Don't live an unexciting Christian life. Show people around you who don't know Christ how exciting it is what Jesus did for your life, who you used to be, but who you are now because of this miracle that Jesus wrought in your life that we call salvation. Whew. Amen? Sorry about getting excited, but it excites me. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. This was a visible and an audible sign of supernatural intervention. Supernatural intervention. Your salvation was supernatural intervention because it had nothing to do with you. It wasn't on anything that you did at from the very beginning to the to the now it's continuing on with it. That was God doing the whole thing, all of it. Even the Holy Spirit was the one that regenerated your heart where you would begin to place your faith in Christ at that specific time in your life. It's all God. It's all God. Amen. So verse 10 says, and they recognize him as being the very one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for charitable gifts. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So in other words, that, and they recognized, in other words, they took note of him. It means to learn something by experience. They saw this. The Greek word for recognize is in the imperfect tense, and it signifies that those in the Jewish crowd were recognizing over and over or again and again that this was the man who had previously been lame. Whew, they, are, they are probably shocked. Uh, so, And it's going to make a lot of them very mad. The man was healed wholly by the grace of God, and the healing was immediate. I said the healing was immediate. I hope you're getting something out of this. He gave evidence of what God had done by walking and leaping and praising God and by publicly identifying himself with the apostles, both in the temple and in their arrest. Whew. As they watched the beggar, these people could see an obvious change in his life. People should see an obvious change in your life. Before he had been lame, now he was walking. And the difference was absolutely, astoundingly amazing. Whew. So you know what? Verse 11 says, while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the portico named Solomon's, completely astonished. Imagine, I'm sure they were. This guy's in lame since birth. He's over 40 years old. Boom, immediately. <laughs> He's jumping around, praising God, jumping around like a little deer, just jumping all over like a little newborn horse, just excited about being alive. Spurgeon on this and talking about them clinging to Peter and John says, you are not at all surprised that he held Peter and John, but it was but natural that he should follow them wherever they went, for he owed so much to them, and they were the best friends that he had ever had. He was filled with reverence for them because of what they had wrought upon him. Amen. No wonder he wanted to cling to Peter and John from that point on. And lastly, in verse 16, it says, and on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him, Jesus, has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And on the basis of faith in his name, literally upon faith in the name of Christ, and there is no other basis of faith other than the name 
of Jesus Christ. Jesus is both the source of faith and he's also the object of faith. And note, Peter's repetition of the name and Jesus for emphasis. It's not Peter, it's not John, it's Jesus. He's the healer, he's the great physician, he's the one who is Jehovah Rapha, amen? And But by faith in his name uh, refers to Peter's faith rather than to any faith on the part of the lame man. The lame man didn't know any better. It was all based on the faith that Peter had in, in regards to this account. It was all based on the faith that Peter had and what Jesus could do and the authority that Peter, that Jesus had given Peter to call out healing in the name of Jesus. Jesus healed the man and faith or trust in Jesus also healed the man because Jesus worked through Peter's faith. He worked through Peter's faith. Get this. He worked through Peter's faith. They knew what they were capable of doing because they knew what Jesus had done for them. The faith that is through Jesus. He imparts this kind of miracle working faith into people's hearts. He's given it to me and he has given it to you. We just got to open up the door. We got to act on it in Jesus. Open up the can. Open it up, man, and just act. start acting on it. Remember, he was given perfect health. Somebody say perfect health. Literally describe someone who has his entire allotment. Um, in this case, the lame man's case, his ability to walk again, perfect health, vigorous muscles and tendons and ligaments made strong like he had never, ever had an ailment in his body. Woo! This means wholeness. Perfect health means wholeness, completeness, speaks of physical wholeness, integrity of parts, soundness in all the lame man's body parts. He had complete freedom from his previous defect. Come on, somebody, somebody out there, help me. And it was in the presence of all of them. In other words, it was in full view, nothing hidden, no magic tricks. Everyone listening to Peter was a witness to this miracle. He just, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the faith and the spiritual authority that God has given us through Christ, that Jesus has given us by his name to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, amen, and come into perfect health. So in closing, let me read you this. It's very poetic. When we attempt to tabulate the treasure with the weight of wealth, the value of virtue, the measure of merit, and to estimate the excellence, price to perfection, and calculate the comfort contained in his name, we are astounded at the riches of grace and riches of glory that therein reside. Is not the name of Jesus a pearl from paradise and a gem from glory land? Is not a sapphire from the heavenly sanctuary of the Most High? Yea, it causes the enlargement before our minds of God's mind of mercy and enriches greatly his legacy of love. To an undefinable degree, the name enhances the harp of hope, engraces the jewels of joy, embellishes the vessels of virtue, endears the mansions of memories, and ennobles the sweetest of songs. Jesus stands, still stands, loftiest in renown. He soars highest in rank and sits chiefest in rule, governing in the power of an endless life, enthroned a priest forever. Amen. There is power in the glorious, this glorious name of Jesus Christ. People can be healed. Amen. So let me pray for you right now. Father, I just come before you in Jesus' name, and I thank you so much for the word of God and for this story that builds our faith. 
This simple story of a lame man expecting to receive some kind of physical comfort, but instead he is given the greatest thing that he could ever have had, and that is his physical and spiritual healing in Jesus' name. He was made whole, perfect health, raised up, jumped up on his feet, lifted up, and literally everything in his body, bones and all things just snapped into place and became vigorous and strong, and he was able to leap and dance and praise God. We thank you for this account. We one thank God, we pray that this would strike us in such a way that this is the way we need to be about us being saved and our spiritual healing in our bodies to be praising and leaping and jumping all around and being so excited about that other people see it and wonder what we're so excited about, but now we can tell them when they ask us what's going on, we can tell them about the beauty of the gospel. And we thank you today. This also tells us that you've given us the authority to lay hands on the sick. So I pray that all of us would begin to operate in that authority and believe that in Jesus' name. Fathers would lay hands on their children and their wives in Jesus' name and lay hands on them and take that take their home back from sickness and disease. Pray Psalms 91 over the doorpost of that home and see that family kept safe and secure, that no pestilence will come near them, no, no destruction will come near their homes in Jesus' name. We thank you for the power and the authority that you've given us in your name, Jesus, to do these great miraculous things. It's all about you. And for anyone that is sick or going through some kind of ailment watching this, I speak over your life and I pray in faith in Jesus' name, be healed right now from whatever it is that's ailing you in the name of Jesus. And I pray if you're watching this and you don't know Christ, accept him now, believe in who he is, repent of your sins, and call on his name. And the Bible says, and you shall be saved. But it's all about realizing that you need him. You're desperately lost. You are an enemy of God. You need Christ the Savior. Know who he is, know what he did. He went to the cross and died and rose again for, your, for you to be victorious over your sin. You can now go to him, believe in him, trust in him, accept him into your life and call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Amen. So God, we thank you for all these things and for all the effect that these sermons are bringing and this sermon is breaking. And we thank you, Father God, for peace in the hearts of the people that are listening to this and the peace, again, peace in the hearts of the people who have gone through so much suffering through the hurricane and through the situation in Afghanistan. We thank you that you're still in control and we thank you that in you we still have hope. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor for all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. I am so glad that you decided to do this. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope this has built your faith in what God can do for you, but also what God can do through you. Amen. Until next time, stay in faith. God bless you.